Welcome in everyone to week one of the NFL season and welcome into the Commissioner's Report. Here we are from Camp Phillip in the duplex. Your host Kyle Wilson joined by, as always, Eli Midtoon and Matthew Bound. Glad to be here, folks. Gentlemen, we have just concluded the, the viewing of the first game of the NFL season and I'll be honest, my emotions were up and then they were down and then they were up again. And it was a roller coaster. How do you guys feel after week one has begun? I love garbage time. I was sad. Honestly, garbage time didn't really impact me, but it was one of those reminders of how unfair fantasy really is, where Watson didn't play anywhere near the game that Mahomes did, but then boom, there he is. Um, What we are specifically talking about is both Eli and I were starting Deshaun Watson in different leagues, and... Through the first probably four-fifths of the game, he had like eight points or something like this. And then somehow by the end of the game, because of garbage time, ended with more points than uh, Patrick Mahomes did. In all fairness, he threw for 40 more yards. So obviously he had a better game. Um, His team lost. That's how fantasy works, though. Garbage time is time. I am just relieved I am not on the sucky end of that. Yes, I I would agree that I, if that were to happen to me, I would be ticked off. But let's talk about the Chiefs a little bit specifically because in my mind, they were clearly the better team during this game. Their defense was impressive. Their offensive line was improved from last year. And specifically... I think everyone's eyes were on the rookie, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And in my mind, he showed out. He showed that he can grab the ball and he can run through the hole. And that's pretty much all they need him to do. Do you guys have similar thoughts or what do you feel about Clyde Edwards after we've finally seen him on the field? Yeah, he impressed me more than I thought he would. I thought, you know, I was kind of in the place of, dude, he's getting all these high reviews before ever actually playing a snap in the NFL. Let's hold the applause. But man, he really showed up. Yep. Um, the, before I talk about him, elephant in the room is the podcast has now expanded to both include our standard league and the keeper league. So apologies to those of you who are only in one or the other, but still will listen to this podcast because we'll talk about both. Um, but with that being said, I was playing Edwards Lair in both leagues and over the first four carries, I was thrilled over the next 20. I was not 25 carries. Uh That is a lot in a over 100 yards you know, in your rookie debut plus a touchdown and he should have had three touchdowns he really should have he had two goal line opportunities that obviously he not a goal line back he is not a goal line back which is the only thing that stopped him from having a 40 point game tonight in my mind their solution for the goal line is they should just have travis kelsey line up in the backfield and run through the offensive line i'm sure matthew would love to see woo, that woo. <laughs> but i would love to talk a little bit more about the chiefs pass catchers Obviously, when we think about Tyreek Hill, six targets is not abnormal. Like, that's kind of his status quo, right around like six to eight targets a game. But you don't normally imagine he's going to be outscored by Sammy Watkins. And so every single year, it seems like Sammy Watkins comes out in week one and scores a ton of points. Matthew, he's on your team. Do you believe that Sammy Watkins is actually someone that you're going to be able to use throughout the season? Or do you just think this is one of those Sammy Watkins fluke games? A fluke would be strong to, to say, but no, I don't think that I'm expecting 20-plus points from Sammy Watkins a week. I would, not, I would not anticipate that. I mean, just take Sammy Watkins out of the equation. Don't blame him. And just simply say, look at the Chiefs' offense. 
what person is not a weapon on that offense? Every, you know, we were surprised tonight to see just the sheer amount of running that went down even before they had a huge lead. They were running, running, running. That's not really what their offense had been. And so now they have the running backs in addition to a, a great receiving core, you know, including tight end Travis Kelsey. And so, so I'd say like next week it could be a totally different guy. And it, that may or may not be Hill. Like you're right. Hill's only going to get, get so many targets, but he's double teamed all the time. And so he'll just finally get that breakaway play. He'll get it. He'll get a bunch of points for it. Watkins will get his turns. It'll be more than one 20-point game this year for sure. But It was not last year. Last year, he started off with 46.8, and then throughout the season, broke double digits five, four times. And That's more than I would have guessed. I one he was of them, also injured last year. The high was 13.3. He had yeah. two weeks that he was injured. Two. I think moral of the story, in my mind, like, it's Tyreek Hill is fun to own because some weeks he's going to win you a week, but... If it were up to me, I would prefer to own a running back, quarterback, or tight end from the Chiefs than I would a wide receiver. And that's, I think, a pretty, a pretty common opinion. Um, let's jump over to the other side of the ball. Honestly, David Johnson looked a lot better than he did when he was on the Cardinals. Like, yeah. I remember when – I don't remember his last year or the year before, but he was on Matthew's roster and we would watch – the Cardinals play and David Johnson just looked so bad and I always felt so bad for Matthew. But today he actually looked like a very competent running back one, uh, like a decent player. Did you guys feel similarly? How did you feel about the the season debut yeah. for David Johnson? Yeah, I thought that it looked like he wanted to play. I don't know if, if, if anything, it honestly might just speak to how bad the Cardinals offensive line is. And I guess we're going to see that with Kenyon Drake because he does have the there is hype around the Cardinals this year and so we'll I guess we'll see. Yeah, I, I have similar thoughts. I thought Arizona just didn't use him right. It was partly him looking lackluster, but it also was the Cardinals' offense just looking flat. And here it looked like Houston said we have a weapon, let's use him, and they they really built their offense around him in so many so many ways. Even even and I think it was a mistake, but in the second half they were still using him sometimes yeah. when they really needed to be passing. They were still using him because they had built the game plan around him and they stuck to it. Yeah, he had a very, very impressive game. He only he only carried the ball 11 times, but he averaged 7.7. 7. He, he had 77 yards on only 11 touches. That is very impressive. And he had three catches for 30 yards as well. So so he had a very impressive game. Um, I think when it comes to the receivers of Houston as well, between Will Fuller, Randall Cobb, Brandon Cooks, this week it was Will Fuller. He had the majority of the work. He caught eight catches um, for 100-plus yards. But I think that this is going to be a very similar situation to the Chiefs. It's just going to be a carousel. Like, who knows? Week to week, it's going to be a different guy, and it's going to be very hard to predict. Agreed. I, I wouldn't want a piece of either of these wide receiver cores. Unless I could get, obviously, Tyreek Hill very cheap. But for the most part, I think we can all agree that um, that is not something that we want. And we already mentioned the garbage time. Thank you, Deshaun Watson, for using play-action pass and running that touchdown in at the end. That was huge. Thank the Lord. Um, Overall, I'm very excited football's back. I wish that it was a more competitive game down to the wire, but I'm just happy to have it back. Now... For the rest of our show, we're going to be focusing mainly on the draft that we did with the regular original Fantasy Football League, uh, the Camp Fantasy Football League. 
Um, and so, like we said earlier, if you're in the Keeper League, uh, we're going to mention a little bit more at the end of the show about the Keeper League, so you can skip ahead if you're only in the Keeper League. Otherwise, we're going to talk about the draft. The first thing that I wanted to know your guys' opinion on is in the draft this year, in the first round, the first 12 players selected, there was only one wide receiver picked. Mm-hmm. There was 11 running backs picked. Now, the second round was obviously a little bit more diverse, but this year it seems like more than any other that running backs are so important. Why do you guys think that the running backs seemed to be more important than anything else? Well, I think that there's two parts to that answer. The first one is the, the plethora of amazing wide receivers out yes. there. Uh, and so, so to know that there's so many wide receivers, especially in this non-keeper league, that they're saying, eh, there's still going to be a bunch available that, you know, third, fourth round, fifth, sixth, you're getting a decent wide receiver still in this, this particular year, whereas the running backs drop off pretty quickly after, after that. So if, you don't, if you're not getting them early on, it's going to be hard. I, I basically figured that our, our league, I thought the possibility would be two wide receivers in the first round at best, but I thought that this was not improbable that this would happen. Um, and I was glad, and if you'll see my draft strategy actually kind of banked on this, this idea. So I, I got, and I'm still shocked at this, Elvin Kamara and Miles Sanders as my first two picks, figuring, well, there's still going to be good receivers left, and I'm not disappointed in my, my receivers for that, for that yeah, trade-off absolutely. that I got. Absolutely, especially when you consider that you were able to get George Kittle, probably the number two tight end, but maybe the number one tight end in the third round. Very impressive. Um, In a little bit, I'm going to ask you guys about which team has the best cores of players and things like this. But but first, in those first three rounds, besides Jonathan Taylor, I'm curious who you guys think the worst pick in the first three rounds is. Besides Jonathan Taylor, I think everyone can agree that Jonathan Taylor in the middle of round two is a horrible pick ahead of Miles Sanders, Nick Chubb, Todd Gurley, James Conner. Maybe I'm crazy. Do you guys agree that that is a bad pick? Or do you guys think that Matt is on to something here picking Jonathan Taylor that early? Um, I would say there's probably one or two players that I draft Jonathan Taylor before in the first three, uh, those being Kenny Galladay, James Conner, maybe Lev Bell. Um, but now that you've seen David Johnson play, do you still feel like you would rather have Jonathan Taylor? Oh, I would definitely draft John- David Johnson over Jonathan Taylor. Oh. But like Kenny Galladay, James Conner, uh, I will draft Jonathan Taylor before those. Oh, okay. Those now I understand what you meant. I right. thought you meant opposite of that. No, no. Like there's... I draft Jonathan Taylor towards the end of the third round, maybe. Um, probably, but like I'm on, on this draft, I'm on the turn, so then I pick him up in the fourth round. Um, but with that being said, like, there, there's... I do not trust the Lions this year. There's a lot of hype around them, um, especially Kenny Galladay. Um, so you think Kenny Galladay was the, the worst I, pick potentially in the first three? That I would say. See, I've always been nervous about Kenny Galladay, not because of the Lions. I think the Lions are going to be great this year, but because Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, there isn't a huge distinction in terms of who gets the most work between those two guys. So if I'm going to take a receiver that early, I need to know that they're going to get the most targets on their team. Mm. Uh, so that's how I feel. Not, not that I don't believe in the Lions, but just because I need that guy to right. be the guy. Right. Why, and why do you pass up? Cooper Cup, Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, um, Robert Woods, even Odell Beckham for 
those three. Right, all all of those guys I, right. I would much rather have. Um, so it's fortunate that I was in the back of the draft. Matthew, do you have an opinion who was the worst pick in those first three rounds? I do, but it's unfair because I'm just really biased against Joe Mixon. And so I, I just I look at Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, following him. Both of those I would have hands down picked over, over Joe Mixon. What but is I, your bias from? Cincinnati, I think. Where yeah, I, I just accurate. think it's such a such a inconsistent offense. You just don't know what's going to happen. I don't think Joe Mixon is a bad player. I think he's in a bad situation that I just wouldn't trust him. Okay. Uh, understandable. I think that it's funny because at the end of the summer, no one knows this, but CJ and I had a very heated argument, which is not surprising, not surprising about Joe Mixon. And I said that Joe Mixon is one of the top five most talented running backs in the NFL. And That's he did take. not believe me. And I said, if you look at the tape, like if you really watch the man play, he's so impressive to watch play. His coach just doesn't use him right. And so something in that conversation must have convinced CJ that I was right because he took him over Josh Jacobs. But I agree with you, Matthew. I would rather have Josh Jacobs this year. Not that I don't like Joe Mixon, but Josh Jacobs is very, very impressive. Um, to me, there's a variety of picks that I wouldn't have made. Not that they that one pick is worse than any other, um, but as everyone knows, I'm a very strong supporter of a late-round quarterback pick. Um, and the reason being is that tonight actually showed that very well. Yep. Patrick Mahomes played a great game tonight, and he scored 20 points. Deshaun Watson played a horrible game tonight and scored 20.8 20 points. points. You know, like, that is what we have to deal with at the quarterback position. It doesn't really matter how good of a game you play at the quarterback position. It's pretty easy to end up with 20 points one way or another. And that's why I think that anyone who wants to take a quarterback this early in the draft is going to suffer at these other positions. For example, if you look at Jeremiah's team, he takes Lamar Jackson in the second round and he's stuck with those kind of wide receivers being CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Jerry, Judy, like a bunch yeah. of dart throw wide receivers. And similarly, Which Jerry, Judy might pay off. Maybe. With, with, yes, with Cortland with Sutton, Sutton and the AC joint spring. But then if you look at Cy, he has Patrick Mahomes in the second and then his second running back is Devin Singletary. It's like... right. You know that's a that's a prayer at the I'm, most. I'm not and necessarily so. disagreeing with the the picking of the quarterback early, but in defense of Jeremiah, if you look, he chose Ceedee Lamb. He was not stuck with him. Tyler Lockett was still on the board. Terry McLaurin, yeah, Keenan I don't Allen. Get that. There was still a good amount of tried and true receivers, and so Jeremiah simply took the risk and said, "I really want Ceedee Lamb. I'm taking Ceedee Lamb." So, so like to say, like, look who he was stuck with doesn't seem right. It was a choice that yes. he chose C.D. Lamb. He wasn't stuck with him. Yeah, I think that that's very true. And I think Jeremiah's draft is going to be one of those drafts that, like, he doesn't really care how it ends up at the end of the year. He's just happy at the end of the draft. He, he feels good because he says, you know what? I don't care where I took him, but I got the guys I wanted. And, mm -hmm. and if, if he's happy with it. More power to him. Thanks for your donation. And mm -hmm. I'll move on and try to win the league. And hopefully CeeDee Lamb, you know, gets a couple targets. But what I the last question I have about the first three rounds of the draft is we talked about how the running backs drop off so quickly. Mm -hmm. And so I want to know where is like 
Where's the drop-off? Where is the drop-off in your guys' mind? For me, like the order these running backs were taken is not the order that I had them ranked. And so, oh, was, yeah. so there's a lot of running backs that I would have taken over certain players. For example, I would have taken James Conner much higher. I would have taken Aaron Jones much lower. But I'm curious, in your guys' opinion, who is that last running back that is like really worth having over some of these great wide receivers? Um, well, first off, I completely disagree with your James Conner, Aaron Jones take. Uh, James Conner right. is injured, and Aaron Jones was running back two last year. Anyway, that's a side note. Uh, top touchdown score of last year. No big deal. Yes, but, but I would love to talk um, about that. That, that drop-off, I think, happened. Like, you get those top-tier running backs in the, obviously, Chris McCaffrey tier of his own. And then after probably like those first five or six running backs, I probably bump out Dalvin Cook because of the injury risk there. It's not super high. But For those of you who don't know, Eli I is super. He is super scared of anyone who has been injured in the last three years. He thinks that if you have I been injured, you are still injured, and Look that's at the why you have long injury seasons. They're going to have more. That is true. Um, regardless. Um, so who is your running back? Who is Chris the drop off? Running back. No, who um, is the drop off? I think Nick that, Chubb is also your running back. Honestly, I probably would say Josh Jacobs would be about the the drop off. So those um, first, I think nine. that Josh Jacobs is still a, definitely a top tier running back. Um, then you're taking a slight dip, and then honestly, towards the end of the third round, I think like anybody taken within there, um, there's, a, there's there's a little bit of risk here and there. Um, but then after third round the next running back that was taken was Devin Singletary. Right, and I was Devin about to Singletary, say... Singletary, I do not want anywhere near my team. Yeah, I was about to say, if you jump to the fourth round, it's interesting, because the first round, every single pick except for one was a running back. In the fourth round, there was only one running back. Right. And, and then, I think that's very showing of the two splits. And then any running backs taken after that, you can tell that the people who took the, the top ones, or the ones at least that I'm excited about, it seems like they would have done their research on them. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, what's your opinion about the kind of the tier drop-offs there? Um, not too too different. I think Melvin Gordon, because he's a little bit of a risk because of Philip Lindsay being there, that there's a little bit of a what if it doesn't go how we no all team, yep. But Melvin's a little gray area for me. I don't think Agreed. he's picked at such a crazy, crazy spot. Those receivers that were picked before him, it makes sense that they were picked before. Someone like a Cooper Cup. A.J. Brown, like that group that was picked before him, Mari Cooper, I would, could have seen either way. I wouldn't have thought it stupid one way or the other. But then, then you know, we observed Devin Singletary. I, I would not have picked then. I would have picked a, another receiver probably, and I think he probably could have got him back around on the loop. Yeah. Um, my next question has to do with, like, in your mind – how big is the difference between someone like Christian McCaffrey and someone like it's hard because we all have different opinions, Huge. but like Christian McCaffrey and Chris Carson, who are both on teams, if they are both healthy, they're going to get a lot of work and a lot of touches. What is the difference between Christian McCaffrey and Chris Carson and Michael Thomas and let's say like uh, Chris Godwin, you know, like. What's the difference between the number one running back and the number eight running back and the number one wide receiver and the number eight wide receiver? That's my question. Like, is the difference that much bigger? Or I, I think the difference with Christian McCaffrey is that he is the offense of the Carolina Panthers. 
and that's that is the biggest difference. Whereas I think if you bump that down, even to running back three versus running back eight, then it's all pretty similar tier, and that's all going to get jumbled around. Nobody was drafting Aaron Jones as running back two last year, but that's where he finished up. Um, even like Saquon and Christian McCaffrey, I think those guys are still clearly the RB1, RB2 um, of the entire league. But the difference is they are the team versus with those top wide receivers. They, I think it's a pretty common trend that top wide receivers have teams built around them and they have strong teams that really make them shine. Um, even tonight when we're, we're listening to the, the announcers of the Texans Chiefs game and they're talking about how um, uh, Hopkins, or not Hopkins, sorry, Watts, Deshaun Watson, how he, he was using um, Desha- Watson, or sorry, okay. how Watson was using Hopkins as a oh, crutch. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're like, how does that even make sense? You can't use the best player on the field as a crutch. It, like, I understand that he was trying to say he has more options, but also they're the best player for a reason, and they're shining for a reason. Yeah, um, sorry, drifting obviously. from the question for a little bit, but I think that wide receivers have teams built around them. Running backs have the potential to be the team. All right. Uh, Matthew, similar opinions about like the difference, difference there, or what do you feel? I think that if, 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 if we were just picking one person to back for fantasy per week, just one person, give me either of those two, Michael Thomas or Christian McCaffrey, because the same concept is true, that either one of them, no one's going to be surprised if they score 20 points. That would be like, yeah, sure, of course, and if they go above it, you're like, yep, not a surprise. They're pretty consistent with that. If they drop below, if it was like 15, for some players, you'd be like, hey, that was good, but for them, you'd be disappointed if they're scoring a 15. So that's true of both of them, and that either one of them could have this big breakout of like 25, 30 points in, in a game. Either one of them has that potential. The, the reason why you're picking McCafferty before Michael Thomas is because of the, the uh, eliteness of a running back who can do that, 20 points or so. Yeah. Whereas with a receiver, the spread's not as big. Some other receivers, several mentioned already in this podcast, are still going to be consistent at 16 or 17 points. So you're talking maybe a three-point difference in the consistency. Whereas the, the running back, it's probably more like four or five points difference as far as consistency would go. So I just think there's more value within the position of it, not between those players. Yeah, I, I like that take a lot. And and that kind of leads me into talking a little bit about my overall valuing of players. And it has a lot to do with when I look at a player, I don't really care about how many, like, for example, if I'm in the first round, I don't really care the total points because in my opinion, Michael Thomas is going to score more total points than probably Clyde Edwards-Alaire on the season. But the difference between Michael Thomas and the next best running back is small, or wide receiver, I mean, is smaller than the difference between Clyde Edwards and the next best running back. And so it's all about valuing the replaceability of that specific player. And that, like, all through the season, that's why drafting a tight end early is a great idea and drafting a quarterback early is a horrible idea because the replaceability is so different. It's, it's almost polar opposite in those two positions. Agreed. How many points they score on the top tier based on the second tier or third, you know? Um, so that's, that's my opinion. And, and I think that we all agree there. Let's move on to the, the later. Well, before we go on to the middle rounds of the draft, I'm curious, 
if you just look at the first three players by position of the draft, I want to know which team you guys think has the best running back core and wide receiver core, being the best three running backs and the best three wide receivers compared to the rest of the teams of the league uh, when you look at their top three options. So take a minute. Position. Yes, um, just running back and wide receiver. Take a minute to look at that a little bit. My pick for the running back position is probably going to be Justin, which in my mind is not surprising. When you pick on the turn the way that Justin did all the way at the end of the draft, you're probably going to get the two best running back options as a pair because you get to pick back-to-back right in the middle of the first you know, 24 picks. And so because he has Kenyon Drake and Aaron Jones, I think both of them are going to get a lot of touches, and they're going to get a lot of opportunity to score points. And when you add Melvin Gordon into that mix as the third running back as your flex, I think that those three running backs are better than any other combination of three. It's interesting because I think my second pick would probably be all the way on the other end of the draft in your team, Eli, mm-hmm. just because of how much better Christian McCaffrey is than everyone else. Right, exactly. I'm not really that impressed with your other two running backs, but Christian McCaffrey just makes all that difference. Right. So at the running back position, what team would you say has your pick to be the best three running backs? Well, I agree with Justin, but I don't think that's a surprise. He's the only person who used his first three picks to be running back. Yeah, that's worth talking so about, too. So the average, of course, is going to going to come out, and then he's not going to cash in on the other positions. Right, which Especially is pretty obvious. <laughs> yes, his tight end is pretty And so, so like, yes, good. I'd say it's hard to not give the nod to Justin on that, because um, plenty of people have probably a better, or I, don't, I should not say plenty of people have a better one-two combo. But his one-two combo is good. It's a good combo for sure. His third is what really seals it because no one else did what he did. No one took the three, so. Right. I'm going to give it to Chad on this one, especially after watching Clyde Edwards later tonight. I... But you have to remember that he traded away both Mark Ingram and Marlon Mack. So his team oh, now is that's true. His that's team true. now is different than what he drafted. But I do like your pick. That's right. decent. Because, I mean, even from that, who did he gain from? I mean, basically trash. But... Um, well... What we're, what we're talking about is the trade that just went through tonight is Chad traded me his... I'm looking at the picks now, and it's not that ridiculous. Chad is trading me his fifth-round pick in Mark Ingram for my fifth, seventh, and ninth-round picks, being David Montgomery, Ronald Jones, and Philip Lindsay. Not right, a bad haul. since the draft, David Montgomery... Like, you didn't even know at draft time that David He's healthy had now, though. He's healthy now, supposedly. You, you should add Christian Kirk is also in there, so people right, are, right, right, are getting right, right. a better picture of the actual trade. That's true. Ronald Jones, they who knows what's happening with this Tampa Bay backfield besides Bruce Arians? Nobody. Um, yes, Philip Lindsay, now Melvin Gordon is there. So, basically, That's like, he's a ninth with, with, if you take the potential ceiling of those three running backs and you take best ball throughout all season, then I would give it to Chad. Before trading with Mark Ingram, I definitely would be giving it to Chad. Um, Because I, uh, watching what David Johnson was doing tonight, he's an RB1 uh, after that performance for sure. Um, And Edwards Lair. Also RB1. Just impressive. Very impressive. And And both of those players did not catch very many passes tonight, and they will. Yeah. I think while we're on the topic of that trade, it really goes to show in my mind how I view the running back position. And there's these steep cliffs that happen. Like there's like eight that are number one, 
and then there are like six who are number two, and these drops are drastic. Yeah, and and the drops. drop, when you look at the draft, it went Mark Ingram, 5'7", Cam Akers, 5'8", Kareem Hunt, 5'9", and in my mind, there's a huge cliff, and then David Montgomery. Like, the difference between Mark Ingram and David Montgomery is so much bigger than just four picks of the draft. In my yeah. mind, it's it's gigantic, which is why I wanted to make the trade because I don't like those players. But it just goes to show how steep the running back position is when you all of a sudden you're on the next player on the list, but you're like a 20-point difference over the course of the season. It's just massive. Um, I think that that's a good point about the running back position. Like you said, Eli, about how – or Matthew, I mean, about how – Justin was the only one to pick three. I think that the the wide receiver is a little bit more interesting because there were more variants in who picked what wide receivers when. Specifically, CJ and I had the exact same strategy in back-to-back picks going running back first and then three wide receivers in a row. And so I would love for you guys to choose what top three wide receivers would you guys say is the most elite? uh, Mine's actually a tie between you and CJ. I think that both of you... Um, have great picks in there. Uh, DJ Moore, Adam Thielen, equal. I could have taken either of those guys. Expected with the same production. Same with DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams. I think you got the better deal with Devontae for sure because we don't know what Arizona is going to do. But in terms of receiver quality, DeAndre Hopkins is probably better than Devontae Adams. Maybe even better than Michael Thomas. Right. It's, it's just it's a mat, it's a question of the offense. Yeah, game um, plan. And then both Calvin Ridley and Amari Cooper are steals at those spots. So I think that both both of you are walking away with a really solid wide receiver core there. But if you had to pick one, which of those like I'm not even biased, like I don't even want you to say like, oh Kyle, you did great. But I want to know like of that combination of three, because when I look at the three I see that in his first pick, it's more questionable, but his second and third wide receivers, Adam Thielen and Mari Cooper, are more right. sure than DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley. And so I'm curious, like, would you rather have that like old player, like veteran, you know what you're going to get right. year in, year out, or That's would you I rather have the up and coming? Yeah. So which one would I, you pick? I agree. Splitting hairs here. It really doesn't matter. But if I'm forced to pick, I'm picking CJ because... I believe that Arizona will use DeAndre Hopkins. I really, I really do think they're going to make use of him. Um, if I didn't, then I'd be picking you. But because I, I believe that they're going to. So I thought I Adam Thielen probably... would sway you, Matthew. I really <laughs> I, thought you were going to see Adam Thielen and go blind for your love for Adam. Uh, Thielen. It has nothing to do with Adam. Thielen I would, I, I would probably Hopkins. agree on Matthew's pick because of the wide receiver position has so much uncertainty that any certainty I can get is what I'm going to take at it, and that's why CJ's pick would just at yours out but yours has probably more of a seat a higher ceiling um which is pretty alluring yeah i love to hear it um a few more picks that i wanted to talk about wait before we move on this might be our only chance to compliment them best two defenses picked hands down i was not gonna talk about matt's team anymore because i didn't want him to have the attention there you go matt Best best two back to back defenses. Let's clap it up for Matt. Biggest spread on quarterback quality. Also, Matt Stroman. <laughs> Dak Prescott also, or Drew Locke. Also, <laughs> let's talk about easily the worst group of running backs in the entire league. Matt Stroman. Yeah. yeah way to go, Matt. Way to pick also the worst running true. backs. Um now let's talk about something that's actually important. And we're talking about and that would be Keyshawn Vaughn. I'm curious how you guys oh. feel about Keenan Allen. Because I understand that 
Keenan Allen is kind of boring in the way that like he's been on the same team forever and he's always, you know, like he's consistent and sometimes he's up and down, but like the name is not young and flashy. For example, like the name DK Metcalf sounds so more exciting than than Keenan Allen, but it's kind of disrespectful to see that Keenan Allen was drafted behind players like second year wide receivers like Terry McLaurin and AJ Brown, Marquise Brown, a rookie CD Lamb. I feel like Keenan Allen is just getting trashed right now. Like he should be so much higher than where he was drafted. I think it was a steal for Hanley or the Cheetah Girls, I should say, to take him in the fifth round. Do you guys agree? Do you think I'm a little bit too high on Keenan Allen? Time out. Why are they named the Cheetah Girls if they don't have Tyreek Hill on their team? It's Just kind of impressive. Uh, I don't um, even know if they knew that that was his nickname, so let's not rip on them yet, but I agree. Just It's just confusing. Anyway, Keenan Allen comes on the quarterback. That's my, my take. That's the re- If you look, I had the pick. I had the pick read for him. And yeah, you want Terry McLaurin. And chose Terry, and that, what Eli just said, is why. It's the quarterback. Tyra Taylor so you Bravo. think... I love Keenan Allen. But time I would out. not be sad if he were on my team. So you think that... That... Why can I not remember his name, even? Who are you thinking about? Yes, you think Dwayne Haskins is a better quarterback than Tyra Taylor? Is that what you're saying, or what are you saying here? Probably I would say that, but, but it's been... It's, but more importantly is that it's been shown... That that Terry gets used. It's been demonstrated. Yep. You you know that Tyrod Taylor. We have no clue what that's going to look like. Like and you know, frankly, I hope it looks great. Yep. I, and I and I do hope Keenan Allen has a, a great year. And I can kick myself later. That's fine. But um, but it was a little painful for me to let him go because I I do agree that he's underrated. But I don't think it's because he doesn't seem flash to me. I think he's an amazing player. Okay, I'm glad you feel that way. I would love to talk quickly about your thought process, specifically you as in Eli. I'd love to talk about your thought process when it came down to picking. You picked three wide receivers with your three, four, and five picks in the draft. Yeah. Two of those wide receivers are second-year players. Absolutely. And one of them is coming off. And your third, Chris Godwin, it's his first season actually being relevant. Yep. So I'm curious, like you picked Chris Godwin, DJ Shark, and Marquise Brown, who are all completely unproven players. They have mm-hmm. one season under their belt, and in Chris Godwin's case, one season being useful. Are you yeah. excited about that? Are you nervous about that strategy? Was that on purpose, or is that just how it felt? It's kind of how it felt, but also a little bit on purpose, because I've you could look at the hype of a ton of young wide receivers and I'm like wide receivers are, we've said it a thousand times, wide receivers are a dime a dozen. And I think that I'm on wide receivers here. I kind of went against what I said with the pick earlier of having that certainty here. I definitely went for the higher ceiling um, because Hollywood Brown, because DJ Shark could both have stellar seasons. Um, Hollywood is one of the, like he is the target downfield for Baltimore. I'm pretty sure if you look at depth chart, Willie Sneed is probably still wide receiver too, um, which is that that is speaking volumes to the qual- to the level that Marquise Brown has used is no other receiver is used to nearly the extent that he is. Um, with Shark, he's the only one on only wide re- only Jaguar wide receiver that I would want to touch. Um, the only other name that you might know on there is Dee Dee Westbrook. Other than that, you have Lavisca Chenault. 
Chris Conley? Do you want any of those guys? No. Personally, um, actually, like most people probably would not have have done enough research to know this, but like Chenault is a player that the Jags are more excited about Chenault than they ever were about DJ Shark. And obviously those things don't always pan out, but legitimately, if people have an extra roster spot and you just feel like, you know, why not try it? I would say put Chenault on your roster and see what happens because the dude is uber talented. But I understand what you're saying there. Shark is the only one who has shown that connection before, and so it makes sense why you would pick him there. I'm not saying your pick was bad, but is interesting. Probably right. worth no, learning. I'm still, and I'm I'm confident on it. And I, I, if you look later on in the draft, I've got Jameson Crowder for a little bit more consistency when I need it, and I've got Deshaun Jackson for a little bit more boom when I need it. And so it's it's a, uh, I've got the vet, veterans stashed away, nice and deep. Yeah. And speaking of which, if you look at Deshaun Jackson, will probably be my starter come Sunday. I was about to say I would love to have you commit to that on air to commit to all day Eli's been asking me do I start Marquise Brown or do I start Deshaun Jackson I've been telling him all day start Deshaun Jackson so I'd love for you to commit on the air but I understand you know I can't commit on air because Deshaun Jackson could get injured by this okay that's that's fair all right that's fair um one more thing that I definitely want to talk about in the draft and Matthew actually brought up to me is that we were just you know talking about before the podcast how Two teams drafted two defenses, which is a, is a questionable strategy. Probably the better strategy is to not draft any defenses, which is what both myself and Justin did, uh, because defensing is a streaming position. You can pick one up week by week. But Matthew brought up that Justin, in his mind, at least shot himself in the foot. I mean, what what Matthew, I think, means, did, if you want to explain it, you can, Matthew. Go sure, ahead. Why do you think Justin shot himself? It wasn't just that he drafted no defense. I guess I don't really buy into the idea of don't draft a defense because you can always pick one up. Well, if it's the one you were going to pick up, then at least your you know, last round or second last round if you're going to take a kicker, I'd say, well, it's a horse of peace then. It's not really radically different. But forget that. He didn't draft a tight end either. That's a real spot that you can't just pick up a scrap paper player and think that it's the same as not having drafted a defense right coming from someone who drafted a, a a tight end very early in both drafts tight end means a lot to you what yes and if, if i had missed on those two on either of those two and the one league i couldn't have gotten mark andrews anyway but if it, i missed on those three i'm not drafting anywhere near that high for a tight end it has to be one of those elite ones for me to consider it but to not draft a tight end, I don't understand this. And, I, and Justin is a smart fantasy player. He's proven this. So I just simply do not understand the strategy of not getting a tight end or your only quarterback being a very untested Joe, Joe Burrow. I mean, at the time you picked him, there were still some players you know, out there that were certainly tried and true. And he still could have had Joe Burrow, in my opinion, much later in the draft. Yeah, I don't think anyone's chomping at the bit to draft Joe Burrow, especially not over players like... Matt Ryan, Josh Allen, Drew Locke, Matt Stafford, and and the skill position side of things. I mean, Jared Cook, I don't like Jared Cook at all, but Jared Cook at tight end was still available. Austin Hooper, you know, there were a lot of options for him besides Joe Burrow. So, yeah, that was definitely a head-scratcher for sure. Um, perhaps what Justin's strategy was is it seems that every single year, it's hard to predict, but somewhere, somehow – there's a random tight end that breaks out and does well. For example, two years ago, it was George Kittle. Last year, it was Darren Waller. 
somewhere there's going to be a tight end that breaks out that no one expected to be as good as they are. So maybe Justin's just taking the wait-and-see approach to trade for them. Um, but I, in my opinion, I think that's very risky. Eli, do you have an opinion on the situation about Justin's draft strategy? I was just sitting there in, in disbelief. I'm jealous of a couple of his draft picks, but also at the same time. Like, you just you miss out on so much. Like, I draft three tight ends because if you land one of those low late-round tight ends who ends up being top three, that, that's a game. That's a season changer. Yeah, I was about to say, um, he mentioned today in the chat how somehow in both leagues he drafted Duke Johnson Jr. and he didn't even want him on his team. Well, here you go. Here's a perfect example. Instead of drafting Duke Johnson in this league, he could have had one of these breakout candidates like Blake Jarwin or like Chris Herndon. Um, who knows? Maybe that's the player that breaks out. And instead he has Duke Johnson, who, as we saw tonight, I believe he scored something like one and a half points on like six touches. In my mind, I think the best thing that a fantasy manager can do for themselves is to not draft mediocre players. Like, please stop drafting people like Duke Johnson and like Carlos Hyde and like Tevin Coleman, because all these players are so mediocre that if you put them in your lineup, they're only going to hurt you. And if you keep them on your bench, they're only going to hurt you. In my mind, when I draft, I'm trying to draft either someone who is elite and a great player that I know I can put on my team and be happy about starting, or I want someone who might be absolutely nothing but it's one or the other. Like, I don't want players who are going to be mediocre all season long. Do you disagree, Matthew? Or do you, do you um, see where I'm coming from? I think I'd want some consistency. Though. Duke Johnson is a, a no-go for me. I would not draft him. But there's, there's something to be said about someone like... Um, oh, who would I say? Someone... I need a good example here. Who's... Emmanuel Sanders. Okay, former good name. Mediocre now. But if I can say, like, uh, he, he'd be a decent, decent backup or something like that. Or, like, you mentioned um, oh, t- uh, Coleman, Tim Coleman. Yeah. And I'd say, like, yeah, but that's almost like a handcuff right there. That you could take him and say, he might be worthless, but, you know, his partner goes down and, and uh, he's going to be the guy. So that's not different to me than uh, drafting Alexander Matson. But, speaking of, this is one of my problems with Justin's strategy is that when it goes down and you know he has to get a defense, he has to get a tight end and arguably should get a, a quarterback, who does he drop? It's not one of his last picks. It's Alexander Madison. So when, when you're looking at, look who he could have gotten instead of Duke Johnson, I'm saying no. Who could he have taken instead of Alexander? Because cause that was way up in round nine. Could have had Josh Allen instead of Joe Burrow. Could have had Christian Kirk. Could have had, he could have had Chris Austin Thompson. Hooper. Yeah, could have had Austin Hooper, absolutely. That, and so I'm saying, like, like, you have to look at who he dropped to make room for players, and that was his choice. It, it, interestingly, I don't know if he also dropped Duke Jackson, I missed it, but... but well, he still has him. still has him. And so I'm saying, like, why drop Alexander instead of Duke? Yeah, that's very curious. I personally would not have made that decision at all. Although, it's, it's understandable in, like, when you view it as, like, okay, I want to draft the person who's going to score the least amount of points on my team then I would drop Alexander Madison because if, if 
Dalvin Cook plays, Alexander Maskam is not going to score points. But if you're thinking in the mindset of who has the potential to score the most amount of points on my team, Alexander Madison has to be very high on that list. Because if Dalvin Cook goes down, Alexander Madison's going to be huge. And, and, and that was very curious. And I wanted him. When he dropped him, I wanted him. And I believe I submitted a waiver claim. But you were ahead of me in the waiver list, Matthew, which good for you. You know, you saw the value you wanted and you burned your way with priority to get it, and it was probably a good choice in your position. So I cannot hate on you for that. I definitely like the take there. I didn't even realize how early he picked Alexander Madison compared to some of these guys later in the draft. It's, it's just kind of mind-boggling because normally when you take this approach of like, all right, I'm going to wait and not pick a defense or not pick a tight end or not pick a, a kicker, the reason you do that is so that you can put as many lottery tickets on your roster as you can. Yes. So that just in case someone gets a freak injury right before the season starts, you don't have to rush to waivers to grab them. You already have them on your team. Mm-hmm. But it seems like it seems like Justin just didn't really have that mindset. And I'd love for him to to let us know what he was thinking. But yeah, it's kind of mind boggling. Do you do you have any other thoughts to add about that, Eli? No, I'm just. I thought that we were going to do a quick bash on Justin, and it's turning into a 15 minute bash. On <laughs> that's Justin. that's true. It it turned into more. <laughs> it turned into more of a strategy talk. All right, Eli's chomping at the bit to move on to the next segment. And so the last thing that we're going to do on the podcast is just talk about who we think the team to beat is. And last year, um, when we did this segment, I chose myself as the team to beat. And I received a lot of flack for that, and it turned out that I was right. I won the league. Not that big of a deal, but but this year we decided that we're not allowed to choose ourselves. So, Matthew, who is your team to beat for the 2020 season? My are we talking about the non? Yeah, first we'll do the non keeper, and then we'll at the we'll close out the show talking about the teams to beat in the keeper league. All right, this was harder for me. The Keeper League was much easier for me to pick. This one was harder for me, so um, shouts out to Cy and Eli, who were big contenders for, for my vote. But ultimately, I chose Carter A's bet. Carter A's bet, um, all right. Yep. I, I love it. And I don't look at his, his roster. and the, here's, here's the downfall with Carter's roster is simply the bench. He doesn't have the yeah, strongest bench. There's nothing to brag about. There's but nothing there. If his players stay healthy, his starters are pretty awesome. But they're and already not healthy with so Cortland Sutton out. Questionable. <laughs> but he like otherwise, I just look at his team and I think that's pretty solid across the board with decent consistency in it as well. So his big downfall to me is the bench. So every you know once we get going with bye weeks, he's going to likely take some hits there. But I, I love, I love his starters. Eli, do you have your team to beat? I, I think that's a good point. It's going to think. pain me to say it. It really is. Okay. Do you need a band-aid? It's Chad. No, please <laughs> tell me you're lying. Why? What about Chad's roster? He just made a trade. What about it screams out to you that he's going to be a great team to beat? Um, it's honestly pretty contingent upon the game tonight. Um. Will but Fuller really impressed you, huh? Will Fuller honestly didn't impress me, and yet he still scored 20 points. Will Fuller had two really bad drops in this game that he could have easily brought in, and we've seen Will Fuller make bigger catches than those. 
And that's what scares me is now Will Fuller is the wide receiver one. He has never been the wide receiver one on this offense before. Now he is. David Johnson showed that he is the running back one and that he is going to be a running back one there. Edwards Lair, same story there. I wasn't sure about him going into this draft because I didn't watch any tapes on rookies because I never do. Um, but wow, what a running back. And so it's a similar story to, to Carter that he, the bench is nothing impressive, but there are put, there's potential on that bench. Um, between Chad's bench is all running back threes, but we know that running back threes can become running back ones throughout the season, whether that's Sony Michelle, whether it's um, Ronald Jones, maybe David Montgomery. Um, if the Bears can, if the Bears use David Montgomery, he will be a running back one. If they use him, he will be, but they don't, and they suck at using him. Anyway, I think that Chad might be the team to beat right now. I, well, I actually disagree about the bench assessment. I think his bench is way better than Carter's. Like, oh, it's no significant. I don't think that there's anything to write home about, which is what you said about Carter's. Carter's bench is trash. Right. No, I. Chad's, yeah, I think, Chad's I think bench at least go, has Chad potential. Chad might have one of the strongest benches in the league. It at least has potential. At the very well, least. with with the running back trades, you might be right. Right. But, I. I'm not saying he drafted the strongest. I'm saying right. now, with that trade, he gave up a lot of power to get good bench. That's fair. I think that the thing that he's definitely going to be hurting on the most is his wide receivers, mostly because I'm not that sold on DK Metcalf sure. um, being that great. But that that's a decent pick. Um, my team to beat for the 2020 season is yourself. has to be my... No, I, honestly, like if I could, I would, because holy cow, my team is good, but... I I was actually debating between the two of you because between the top two running backs and the top two wide receivers on each team, like in my mind, the top two running backs are easily both of you being Matthew with Alvin Kamara and Miles Sanders. That combo, if both of them see the field as much as they should this season and don't get hurt, they are going to catch so many passes and be very valuable. But also Christian McCaffrey and Nick Chubb, similarly, like, if Nick Chubb gets more work than Kareem Hunt, it doesn't have to be all the work, but if he gets more work, he will. Those two are going to be incredible. And similarly, in your wide receiver positions, with Matthew, Robert Woods, I think, is a, a phenomenal wide receiver one. He's so stable. He's going to be great. And Chris Godwin is also going to be a great wide receiver one. Your both of your wide receiver twos are kind of questionable. The reason that I'm my choice for the team to be is gonna be Matthew to start the season. And the reason for that is because the tight end. I think that the tight end drop-off is so significant that even though I don't really love Matthew's flex position, if AJ Green shows out to being at least a little bit of what AJ Green used to be, the fact that Matthew is able to get George Kittle in his tight end spot is going to put him over the edge to be Absolutely. the team to beat. So That's fair. So the flex spot, honestly, not in love with it. But overall team construction, I'm really in love with it. The only thing that I would say would help your team, Matthew, is if somehow you could get rid of the old man on your roster and <laughs> so that you could just start Josh Allen. Please do not start Tom Brady over Josh Allen in week one. I'm just I, I am not. Okay, I'm good. Good, good, good. So that's my team to beat is 
Matthew to start the season. We'll see how it works. Next week, we are going to be able to pick our own teams depending how we show out. So be ready for that. Um, and as we said before, we're going to switch some gears a little bit and switch over to the keeper side of things to announce our teams to beat for the beginning of the Keeper League season. Eli, do you have your selection? I do, and it is Carter Aisbet. Um, I so I'm I've actually picked in both leagues the team that I'm playing. Um, I'm That's I'm pretty sure that I can compensate. beat Chad. I'm pretty sure that I can beat Chad um, because it's Chad, and as the game tonight showed, whenever garbage time comes down to it, Chad is the one who gets screwed. Even though he loves it because he loves chaos. I think, I think that I can still pull it off against Chad. I think you're just trying to justify yourself because if you set the team to beat as the play people you're playing and you beat them, then you are the team to beat. Exactly. <laughs> you can justify that. Now you figured out my strategy. <laughs> but Carter's team, look at Carter's team and tell me which, which player you don't want on your team besides maybe Julian Edelman. Um, there are There's a lot of quality on his team. And like you said, um, if you can lock Oh, down, I know. Jordan Howard. <laughs> he is on the bench. And, yeah, uh, I would cut him. Bet, that, but oh, that is, that that is true. That that is Carter's running back four. So Jonathan Taylor is his RB three at this point. But that's not a bad RB three to have. And we talked about Chenault earlier. Laviska Chenault. He picked him in the sixteenth round. That is oh, going to be a goodness. heck of a keeper. Gotta say it. I think that's a great pick, Eli. Fun fact. Kyle has already picked up Lavisca Chanel in yes. regularly. Mid-podcast, I picked him up, so um, sorry, guys. But you can't anyway, that's, Carter is definitely my team to beat. I think that um, he's got a lot of players that a lot of people feel very comfortable with. Um, but then even when you look at his bench, he's got, even, he's got more boom potential there with Deshaun Jackson, Judy, and C.D. Lamb as well. I think you're absolutely right. When you look at the keepers that Carter was able to keep in – Jackson, Lamar Jackson in the 12th, Mark Andrews in the 9th, Jeremy McLaurin in the 7th, even Austin Eckler in the 4th, every single one of his keepers was like at least a two-round value, probably more like a 10-round value. So it's pretty incredible and quite obvious. But on top of that, in my mind, the team, the thing that puts him over the edge is the way he drafted. He didn't draft safely. He decided to draft for that upside and go for the fences. So I love that you brought that up because I completely agree with that. Um, Matthew, do you have your team to beat someone different than Carter, or, or was that no, going to be your pick too? Carter was my obvious easy pick. I All right, who is the second? Amazing job there, Mr. Carter. All right, let's find someone new. Let's stop loving on Carter. He's not that cool. No, he's pick awesome. who's your that second hot team to beat? Firefighter. That hot, those hot firefighters. <laughs> I will hop in quick while Matthew tries to figure out his uh, team to beat here. I think it's. Like we said, it's pretty obvious that Carter had the best keepers. I think Matt had like a lot of potential to be the team to beat. And honestly, Matt did a pretty decent job with his draft. Like his team is good, but I am pretty thoroughly disappointed about the wide receivers he was able to put on his team. Um, if Matt were to have drafted better wide receivers, I think he could have had the team to be over Carter's team, being able to keep someone like Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, both top-tier running backs in the third and fifth round. If he was able to pick up someone like Amari Cooper instead of Cam Akers, or even Keenan Allen in, ahead of Cam Akers. Cam Akers is very much a, a head-scratcher pick. I didn't really understand that. But 
Maybe it'll pan out for him. I just don't think that it will. So Matt, honestly, your keeper league draft was the best draft I've ever seen you have. And somehow I'm still disappointed by it. I, I wish that you could have just done a little bit more to put yourself over the edge, but shout out to you for, for doing your best there. Matthew, do you have your team to be, or are you just really stuck on, on picking Carter? Well, there is no comparison. Carter, to me, was a very easy pick for who I think it is. I really want to go Eli on this, but I'm not impre- impressed with Jared Cook for his tight Yeah, end. that's disgusting. Oh, I, my. I, I speaking of which, I just threw hate. up in my mouth. I can't get over the hate that Jared Cook is receiving. I, it's too. not. It's. I'm trying to pick the number one team. I just threw okay? up in my mouth. If, if it's not oh, part of it, who gosh. is it? And it's. And I'm still. I'm gonna go ahead and say Eli would be my next pick. It was close between the two of you, actually, and and I do. I would give a shout out to Matt. I do. I think the same thing. I tried. I tried to get him to trade with me so that he could take Michael Thomas at pick. I tried to get him to trade five. with me too. Yeah, and I was like, you get him at pick five. He's gonna be there. Look but at he Jared insisted Cook. on getting all the running backs loaded up. So he from the buy on last year. And he scored Listen, a single digit. If you just once. said the what name did you just say? I look, I chose you to be Man. the team. What name did you just say? Set. What name did you say? Jared. I'm Cook. over it. I don't want to hear Jared it. Jared. We're done. Cook. I just threw up in my mouth again. I would top like to top five tight end this year. He's moving up. Please put a bet top on top it. Five. How much? Top how many? Five. How many hams are you willing to bet? Tight end. How many hams oh are you willing to bet gosh. on Jared Cook being a top five tight end? I'll put two down. Oh, what a weak bet! They're all I'll put weak two down. bets. They're take like it, thirty cents. It, Deal. It. Shake on it. We have witnesses. All right. Thank you very much. Two hams down on that. All right. I think that's a decent pick. Um. I, I appreciate that you're willing to shout me out a little bit, Matthew, and say that, that my team. Um, quick thought about my team is like, I like my team, but now that I've gone through a season trading away so many draft picks, I didn't expect to feel it as much as I did. But my team feels very thin. Like, it feels really good, but I noticed how thin I am more than I thought I would. So I say that in warning to the rest of you like if you trade away as many draft picks as i did you are probably going to feel pretty naked at the end of the draft with uh the lack of quality you have on your team but still worth it in my mind i'm happy with what i did um any other thoughts quick about the keeper draft before we close up the podcast here or um i want to do one closing thought um between both leagues and that's just a quick um negative shout out towards all the teams who Ooh. still do not have names yet uh <laughs> yeah keeper thank league, you. let me list them it is team cardi a team whisk av topher team arwenier team matt stroman team matthew bound oh shout him out what? in the keeper matthew league Bowne. 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 my goodness oh. okay and quick switch over pivot oh wait i would like two. to t- i would like to shout out um the antonio browns aka Eli Mattoon, Antonio Brown is not on your roster, and right. so it's your a, name seems a, it's a shout out to last year. I'm just seems with Antonio Brown. Say, all of you who are getting ripped on like I was, you probably changed it in one league and didn't remember you had to change it. Now to the other league, <laughs> uh, team Native Asian American. That's you, Sai. Uh, next, we have Team Cheetah Girls. Why can't that be his name? Team Cardi A. And Team Matt Stroman, fix yourselves, firefighters. <laughs> don't get... My goodness. Saving lives, what? but you can't save your own name. Don't get fixed but as in we fix Matt. That's not his name. Sai Vanasabath is his name. 
You know no what? what? To no, be honest, I'm upset. I appreciate oh, you know your what? shout out, but I choose to pick Unity. You know, that's great. <laughs> that's what I've learned from Chiefs fans today. Yes, boo um, equality. I, can I ask, as long as we're talking team names, yes. does anyone know, Elisha, what does your team name mean? Oh, I do know that one. Thank you. I don't remember, Isn't though. it a He fan- told me it was. <laughs> I thought it was like a fantasy thing. It had something or... to do with Wisco, and I don't really oh, it remember. Oh. It was okay. a Wisco thing. Um, You know, last year, something we did was pick matchups of the week was something we did not really think about much. Um. But I think this year our strategy for the podcast will mostly be talking about matchups after they happened and, and recapping more than trying to predict that got a little bit scrambled. So mostly we're, this year we're going to be recapping our matchups and ripping on people for starting certain individuals and, and just making fun of you a lot. And Not so me. I'm going to be feeling bad for some of you or us. Yeah, because Matthew's like so compassionate. Unlucky. Yeah, and Matthew's team's historically year to year just suck and so he understands what it feels like to be yeah, in, in my your team's boat amazing and i play against the most amazing team of the week every time which is normally me anyway <laughs> folks thank you yes i mean if you did you'd probably lose your whole league probably thank you for tuning in folks this has been the n- latest episode of the commissioner's report football is back i hope you're excited <laughs> Thank you for your donations to the league. I will be donating all my winnings to camp this year. Have a wonderful night. Tune in next week for your next edition of the Commissioner's Report.